Good morning, Real Life Church. It's so good to be with you guys online. Um, looking forward to the day that we are all together. And to anyone who's watching who's not, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, you should have your Bibles open to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Our key verses today are going to be Hebrews 11, 5 through 7. Um, but Rob, Pastor Rob came and read the passage for us a little bit earlier. Um, just giving us a little bit more beautiful context from these verses, because these verses are life. They're amazing, especially verse six. Um, verse six is very dear to me because it was the first scripture I learned to memorize my heart as a child. And all these years later, um, the Lord has has kept it ingrained in my soul. It's written on my soul that and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If my mother's watching, I know she just said amen right now. And so, as I said, we are continuing our series in the book of Hebrews. And currently, our series title is Jesus is Greater Than. Anything that you put on the other side of that equation, that Jesus is greater than it, whatever it might be. And for us now, especially, it's COVID-19. Jesus is greater than that. My dear friend said, God said, Kyleo, God promised us not that COVID-19 was going to take over the world, but that Jesus would. So Jesus reigns and he is risen and he's truly risen indeed. And so as I think about that um, in these verses that we are discussing, I'm going to read them just one time before we continue. Hebrews 5 through 7. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Wonderful words. In our study of Hebrews, we've gone from the object of our faith, Jesus, right? Jesus is the object of our faith. Faith is only as good as his object. We've gone from the object of our faith to examples. Last week, Rob gave us the example of Abel. This week, we're going to be looking at Enoch and Noah. We've gone from object to examples and explanations of faith. And notice that these two are put together, examples and explanations. In this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we come to a clear conclusion that these two are not, that these two are indistinguishable, that they're inseparable, that examples and explanations in regards to faith all go together. You cannot explain faith without examples and explanations. And that is something that is being made clear in this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now, the other thing is that these saints that we're talking about, they're not all perfect, right? But God made the final word on them their faith and not their failures. And that is a good place to say amen if you're listening. That God made the final word on them their faith and not their failures. Because the good news is that at the end of the day, what will define us will be our faith or the lack thereof. And that is what we see as we come to this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. It's known by many as the Hall of Faith, you know, or Heaven's Honorable Mention. It's known as all these things because we have heroes in these passages. People who basically were not perfect, but they had faith. 
I love that. That gives me great encouragement. In this 11th chapter, the Bible puts the character of faith on display through the characters of faith. So now y'all know me. I always have a title for my messages. This message is titled The Character of Faith. The Character of Faith. Because what we see is God is putting the character of faith on display through these characters of faith. And that's what brings us to what I'll call Everlasting Enoch and Captain Noah. Everlasting Enoch because he never died. So he's living forever with God. And Captain Noah because he sailed the ark. To this roll call, this heaven's honorable mention is clearly been reserved for those who please God through faith, not through their own not through their own perfection. And here's the key. It's the only way to please him. Do you know that you have a responsibility to please God, that I have a responsibility to please God? And the Bible in this chapter is going to show us the way. You can only do it one way. We can only do it one way, the same way that they did it which is by faith. Last week, <clears throat> Pastor Rob introduced us with this important verse. And if we don't get this, we're not going to get anything else that follows. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, we have to keep this verse in the back of our mind because there's a strong spiritual principle that we need to have at the forefront of our minds in order to understand everything that follows in the chapter, in this chapter. We can see this clearly, right, in our current national status. Something that cannot be seen with the natural eye is controlling everything that we do see with the naked eye. Faith is the evidence which gives proof of the existence of the unseen world. That is the reality we're living in. You say, Kyle, that's, those are a lot of big words right now. Not necessarily. You can understand this clearly. I can think of our whole world right now is on shutdown by something that cannot be seen with the natural eye. I think of last Easter week. Um, I waited to the last minute and six o'clock in the morning, got up to go to Walmart to get my groceries to make my Easter dinner. And I'm standing outside of Walmart, six o'clock in the morning, six feet away from each other, wearing masks and gloves, only able to shop 50 people in the entire Walmart at a time. Because that which was invisible was being governed or that which was visible was being governed by the invisible. I saw these memes are giving me life today on Facebook. I saw a real good one. One of them said, um, you saying you don't believe in God because you can't see him, but you can't see this virus and you're wearing a mask and gloves though. And that is a funny picture of the world that we're living in that what is visible is governed by the invisible. Faith is about sight. And that is the picture that we are getting here from these characters in faith. Faith has this awesome ability. It brings the visible or it brings the invisible into visibility. Faith takes things that you cannot see in a different realm and brings them into the realm that you can see. We're going to see that played out, especially in the night, in the life of Noah. That faith has this quality of dragging what's invisible into the realm of the visible. See, we don't have faith, right? So, so everyone who's living right now is living to by a certain degree of faith. 
COVID-19 has us locked in our homes. It has us wearing gloves and masks, right? We are living this way. Not We don't have faith in the object of COVID-19 because we can't see the virus. But what we can see is we can see its effects. We can see the effects of the virus in sickness, in doctors, in hospital, and sadly, even in death. But this morning, we have a greater object to proclaim. Jesus Christ is risen. And because he is the object of our faith, he gives us confidence that no matter what happens, we are going to be okay. So Abel, we looked at, Rob read to us about Abel and we realized that Abel was this righteous man. He was a good man. He was a man of faith. And he offered to God what God required. That's another clue about faith. Faith gives God what God requires. That's what we see happening in the life of Abel. And I think from these three characters, we also gain something else. We gain three characteristics about faith. From Abel, we found out that Abel's faith resulted in him being murdered, sadly. Encapsulated, the story was Abel had a brother Cain who also brought a sacrifice. He gave God whatever he wanted to give him. Abel gave God what God required. God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected his brother Cain's. Cain became jealous and killed his brother in the field and buried him and thought it was over. But he had a problem. Abel's righteous blood began to talk to God from the ground. And that is the reality that we see that faith for Abel was a risk. That when he had faith, it resulted in something horrible and tragic happening to him. And there's, there's a special point in that, too. That this first character mentioned in this chapter as having faith, as the Hebrew writer begins to give us a description of what faith is and isn't, is murder. That that's the first thing that we see happening. What a warning. What an exhortation. What a sobering it is to us to let us know that faith is a risk. Next, we're gonna to come to our other, I'm giving you my points all up front. You can start to write them down if you're taking notes. And if you're from real life, you have a Hebrews journal, so you should be taking notes. Our next person, Enoch, he's going to show us something else that just encapsulates a little bit of Abel, that faith defies death. Enoch is going to show us how faith defies death. And then when we get to Captain Noah, we are going to see how faith heeds God's warnings. Let's take it. Let's pick up in 5, Hebrews 11, 5. Our first verse is, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended at having pleased God. So we're on this third, this second character in the book of Hebrews, and his name is Enoch. And these verses are recording that Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. That we have the first person in the Bible who did not die. And this is very important to recognize because in, in the reading of Hebrews, actually, I want you to take a minute, turn over to the book of Genesis. If you got, put your marker in Hebrews and turn to Genesis chapter five, because I want you to see this for yourselves. 
Because all we know, if you remember, the book of Hebrews is written to people who have a knowledge of the Hebrew his history. And we don't, but we can refer to the book of Genesis to see these things for ourselves. And in Genesis chapter five, it records this long litany of genealogies. And for, and for years it goes on, and this one had a son and he died. And this one had a son and he died. And this one had a son and he died. And we see this pattern of sin equaling death in creation. God promised that when sin entered the creation, people would die. It happens. And now people are dying, living and dying, living and dying until we get to Hebrews chapter, until we get to Genesis chapter five, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God 300 years after he fathered Methuselah and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now, as I mentioned about those genealogies that we just read, if you scroll, you'll see that, for instance, in Genesis 5, 1 through 4, the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Then Seth, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. <laughs> you scroll down further. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. All of this death, death, death until you get to Enoch. And what is the factor about Enoch's life that separated him from all the rest? It is saying that he was commended as having pleased God. We come to our first character of faith, or our first characteristic of faith. That faith has the ability of defying death. Faith has the ability of outliving you and I. I love it because I think, especially if you're a Christian and if you've been one for a considerable amount of time, you can probably think about a loved one that you knew who's not here anymore, but who loved the Lord Jesus Christ and whose faith impacted and affected your life so much to the point that you can almost hear their, their voice now in your ear. As I have this conversation, you can see that person's face in your mind's eye because their faith is defying death. And this is, we see it going, taken all the way to the extreme right here. That Enoch was a man who pleased God and one day God just took him. And the reason why I read those, those years from the other people's lifespans were 800, 700, 600, 900 years. Methuselah, who is gonna be the oldest man who ever lived 969 years. But Enoch died at the tender young age of 365 years old. And the difference between him is that he pleased God. It's almost as if he pleased God in such a way that God just didn't want to be in heaven anymore without him and just took him. And everybody else was left on the earth. What else do we know about Enoch? 
in Jude 14 through 15. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. But it lets us know something about Brother Enoch, that Enoch was a preacher. That Brother Enoch was a preacher, not just a preacher, but a prophet. He prophesied some things in his lifetime. Because when we get to the story of Noah, you're going to discover something about the condition of the world in his lifetime. In Jude, verses 14 through 15, it says this. It was also about these. So it's talking about the people in Enoch's lifetime on the earth. That Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It's not sounding like it was a good time in the days of Enoch. And the saddest fact is that out of all these people who are living, persons who are walking closely and in intimacy with God are an anomaly. Enoch is one in a million, so to speak. Generations of people are living on earth and only of one of them is being identified as having walked with God and as having been pleasing to God. These are hard times on planet Earth. And we see that the reward of Enoch's faith is that God just took him. His faith defied death. And the amazing thing about this particular, about this particular um, prophecy that Enoch prophesied is it's a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ who will come at the end of days with his 10,000s of his holy ones to execute judgment of normal world. Enoch was talking about Jesus. We see this clearly, so much so that God took him up to where Jesus was. This word pleased is important and there's the reason why I had us had Pastor Rob read from 1036 of Hebrews because it talks about God's soul having pleasure in us. That all the people that God made, God had the divine expectation that people would love him, that people would adore him, that we would be committed to pleasing God. But sin interrupts that for us. Sin turns us completely in on ourselves and says, I must focus on pleasing me, myself, and I. And cared nothing for the pleasure of God. But then this anomaly called Enoch happens. And he is a person who pleased God. And what does this word please mean? It's a Greek word, euaristeo. It's a compound of two terms, fit and well. Something that is well-fitting. So when it's talking about Enoch is pleasing God, or in verse six, as we'll see, when it's talking about faith that pleases God, it's talking about a characteristic of something that fits well with God. Living a lifestyle, walking in such a way in your life that fits well with the character and holiness and purity and goodness of God. That's the type of life that he was living in a time when nobody else was living that way. He didn't have too many people he could fellowship with about his struggles living godly and intimately. And what it means to walk with God, it means that Enoch lived in such a way where he fellowshiped with God daily. He talked with God. 
He broke away to find time to spend with God. His whole focus, his desire, his passion was God, being with him and, being, and living in a spiritual intimacy with God. So much so that God eventually granted his heart's desire and just brought him on up. And he defied death. We've got to hang on to that word, please, because now this crucial verse six is what comes up. Because we just talked about our ability to please God or the responsibility to please God. And now we're finding out the duty of pleasing God. In verse six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This wonderful verse shows us that without faith, it's impossible. You can't make God happy by baking cookies or helping old ladies across the street. You need faith. Faith is the only thing I know I have to be careful because I might sound too word of faithy, but faith is the only currency that God accepts. That is what this verse is letting us know. And it's talking about Enoch because Enoch gave God faith and it pleased him. Enoch believed in this God who he had not seen, who he had only heard about, who had appeared to him in prophecies, and he lived every day as if that God were real and visible. And the Bible tells us in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe what? So we come into the requirements of faith. There are two things we see in these verses. He must believe what? One, that he exists. And two, that God rewards those who seek him. Notice that both of these things flow out of believing these two things. There's two requirements. One, believing. One, that he exists. And two, that he rewards those who seek, who seek him. It doesn't say those who do this or do that first. No, it says believe. And out of believing first will flow the doing second. See, at the end of the day, let me give you uh, the main idea of our message today. The main idea of our message is this. Biblical faith, the only way to please God, is demonstrated, is demonstrated obedience in response to the word of God. I'm going to say it again. Biblical faith, the only way to please God, is demonstrated obedience in response to the word of God. That is what we're seeing happening in these characters. That their doing is flowing from their believing. That their actions are a result of their faith. It's not do this first and then God will be pleased. No, it's believe and then you can please God. That's what we see happening. And this is consistent with this picture of faith as obedience. Ooh, I just said a dirty little word in our culture, right? Obedience. Ooh. I have a memory where I worked in the hospitality industry um, for about 20 years. And one day I was a, a manager on duty working in a hotel and a couple's was having problems with their door. Their key wasn't working. The lock, the battery and the lock died. And they were trying to get to a conference and they couldn't get back into their room in order to get changed. And so it was getting really ugly up there. So a manager had to come up. That was me. I come up to the room and I'm trying to calm them down and make them comfortable as I got my maintenance guy working, trying to get this door fixed so that they can get in and get out. And um, 
while I'm standing there, the mother, her phone rings and she excuses herself and she um, answers the phone and it's her children there at home with the babysitter. And the mom, I was ear hustling a little bit while I'm talking to the husband and the mom says, um, honey, are you obeying? And I was like, well, who uses that word? She asked her daughter, are you obeying? And so when, so I, I kept talking to the dad and after that, mom got off the phone and she came back over and I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, yes. I said, are you Christians? <laughs> and she said, yes. She said, what made you ask that? And I said, you use the word obeying. You talk to your child asking if they were obeying the babysitter. That's a Christian term. Said, I'm a Christian too. And I said, so that's why I recognize it. And it changed our whole experience. But that's a dirty word for us in our culture. The idea of obedience. But this is a consistent with the picture that faith results in obedience. Biblical faith does. And it shows the order of belief being preceded by the evidence or being proceeded by the evidence of obedience. We are brought to the reality that we will not do anything significant or spiritual note if it is not first preceded by belief. You believe and you belong and then you can do what God requires. That is the beautiful picture that we see. That's why God is not pleased by anything other than faith. He wants your belief. Next. Two. You believe that he that he exists. But first, before let, let me not jump past it, because I like that. Right. You believe you believe that he exists. God is he. And this isn't talking about in a general sense. So the man upstairs, you know, the big guy looking out for me. This is not Grammy acceptance award speeches. Right. This is God being identified here. Yahweh, Elohim, the everlasting God, the only true living God, Jesus. Remember, Hebrews is putting forth Jesus as our great example, as the object of our faith. It's talking about him, that you believe that that God, that Jesus, everything he said is true about himself, that you believe him. It's going to draw you from vague to specific. Believe that he exists. What else do you believe? That he rewards those who seek him. That's wonderful news. See, Enoch's life, his love, his devotion was not characterized by fear and terror. It was characterized by reward. Enoch got the reward. He wanted to be with God. He wanted intimacy and fellowship with God and he believed God and it resulted in a life that reflected that. So much so that God rewarded him with what he desired. That's why Proverbs can say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out unto your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Delight yourselves in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's what Enoch saw. Okay, gonna keep moving. Verse seven, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this he, be, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. Now, Enoch had a few verses in Genesis. Noah's got four chapters, so we can't run all the way through Noah's unless we'll be here till tomorrow. But the highlights from Noah's story is Noah lived on a day and time where the wickedness of man exponentially increased. In the message translation, it says, every man's thoughts was evil, evil, more evil every day, all the time. And in that crazy world and violence characterized their day. And this violence, this evil broke God's heart. At this point in the Genesis, in the Genesis narrative, Noah is the only man who has a rapport with God. The only one distinguished out of his generation. Another anomaly. God gets to the place where God says, oh, his righteousness demands that he must punish sin. And God comes and chooses Noah. It says Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And God says, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to start all over with you. Every living thing on it but you and your family will be done. God commissions Noah to build an ark. 75 feet high, 450 feet long. God tells Noah, every animal on earth is going to come to you two by two. You're going to take them in. You're going to build this ark in the middle of land, nowhere near the sea, nowhere near the ocean. People had to be looking and say, what is that nut Noah doing? Building an ark, constructing an ark in the middle of land, nowhere near the water, nowhere near the sea. But God told him to do it. Noah heard a word. What else do we know about Noah? In 2 Peter 2, 5, it says this. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, that means a preacher, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And this is now I told you from Jude, we had a copy of one of Enoch's sermons. We don't have any of Noah's sermons. And this is important. It is important because we know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but we do not have his messages or his sermons. It is because Hebrews identifies Noah's sermons as his actions. Noah putting the nails in the board. Noah covering the ark. Noah stockpiling food. Noah not building an empire unto himself. Noah drawing the animals two by two and declaring, folks, it's going to rain. I look, I think about this scene. I can see it. Katie Holmes says to billionaire Bruce Wayne, Bruce, it's not what you do. It's what you do that defines you. But the gospel of God backs it up a step further and says, no, it's what you do with what God has done that defines you. God chose Noah. God picked him and commissioned him. And Noah responded in faith and obedience. That's what happened. Noah, God appears to Noah or Noah hears God's voice and says it's going to rain. And for 120 years, Noah is building this huge ark saying animals are going to come to him two by two. People had to be laughing and mocking at Noah. 
What is he doing? All Noah knew is that it was going to rain and it had never rained before. Didn't even know what rain was. Noah gives us a picture of this faith that we talk about. I love where it says concerning events as yet unseen. That Noah prepared an ark in reverent fear concerning events as yet unseen. Noah didn't have any idea what it meant that it was going to rain, but he believed God. And that resulted in him preparing the ark. Reverent fear, Greek word. It means be afraid, be concerned, reverence, respect. What this word means, it's not a terror. Even though Noah was pronouncing judgment, he didn't have a terror of God. What he had was a devotion of reverence. He regarded his relationship with God as precious. That's what God is looking for. Not for us to be trembling and cowering in front of him, but for us to be devoted. And for our devotion, I respect our reverence. Not here because we have to be, but here because we want to be. And Noah's faith had three results. The saving of his household. He condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is great. This is so important. The saving of his household. That's the first thing, right? So Noah built this ark at a time when the world was filled with wickedness. And because of it, he built this ark and he probably made his kids and wives help him too, his wife help him too. <laughs> but he did all of this work in the face of a watching world. And every day that he did it, he was preaching the gospel. A friend of mine called me and said, hey, you know, uh, was telling me that a coworker reached out to him and said, I wish I had a faith like you. And, and, and I said, that was wonderful. I said, do you know what that means? That means you're building an ark. You're living your life in such a way that someone can look at you and ask, how can I get into the ark of safety that you seem to be living in spiritually? Noah did these things. He condemned, and it resulted in the saving of his household. Noah and only his family were spared. The next thing that happens he condemned the world. What does that mean? And that doesn't mean that Noah just preached judgment. Oh, y'all are going to drown. That's, that's not what it means. It means that he condemned not just through verbally, but more so through the actions, the actions of faith and obedience. See, this is why sometimes Christians and non-Christians or people of faith and people who don't have faith get along can get along. Because just your act of faithful obedience to God is going to put you at odds with those who are disobedient towards him. It's just the way it is. You're on the highway to heaven. And you know how the song goes. They're on the highway. But anyway, you know that that is the difference. That is what Noah's actions, his obedience, condemned the world. In the same way that Christ coming to earth in human flesh and triumphing over sin, condemned sin in the flesh. In the same way that Jesus Christ coming to earth and living a holy life condemned us in our unholiness. 
The third thing it did is he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Interesting thing from this story of Noah is Noah's, the characteristic of Noah's faith that we can get is that no faith heeds God's warning. For Enoch, it was faith defies death. For Noah, faith heeds God's warning. God told Noah it was going to rain and the flood came and covered the earth 40 days and 40 nights killed everything except the people in the ark and what I love is do you know what it says it says that God said to Noah come into the ark <laughs> that's the good news and the hope of the gospel that God said come into the ark And God shut the door. And seven days, Noah waited in that ark until the first raindrop fell. He became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith, something that he could not see with his natural eye. He believed and obeyed for 120 years. In the story of Noah, we have the first biblical mention of the word grace, favor. That's Genesis 6, 8. And then also the first picture of it leading to salvation. That's what happens. The grace that God extended to Noah resulted in salvation for him and his whole household. Salvation is always first begun by grace. We see the judgment come on the earth and the only ones to be saved from it are those whom God has shown grace to. Ephesians, for by grace have you been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Righteousness that comes from faith is always based on a word from God. Wonderful scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There can be no faith where there has been no word from God. That is the key. There can be no faith where there has been no word from God. Enoch heard a word. Noah heard a word. And they believed and obeyed. That's our message from today. These three wonderful characteristics of faith. But it also makes me think of another wonderful picture that's in this passage. Since we're talking about Captain Noah and his unsinkable faith, as I heard one preacher call it. When Noah built this ark, there was a substance used on this ark called pitch. And pitch served as a ceiling. It was all over the ark. And what that pitch did is it had to go on the outside and the inside of the ark. And the pitch kept a single drop of water from entering that ark. The pitch served as a sealant to make sure that none of God's judgment upon the world touched God's people and God's children. What a comfort that brings to us.
Because that word pitch is also the same word used to mean atonement. We've been in the book of Hebrews, and so we know what atonement means. That atonement is about the blood, the precious blood of the lambs, which then became the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't you see high priest Aaron slinging and sloshing that blood all around the temple? Going into the holy of holies. Don't you know that one day Christ was put up on the, on the cross and his blood ran all over Calvary. Atoning for our sins. But the call still stands for us. Come into the ark. That is the hope that we have in the gospel. That in the same way that the pitch covered that ark and kept God's wrath out, the blood of Christ protects every sinner who steps into the ark that is Christ and puts their trust in him. Christ takes God's wrath so that we don't have to. And you can have that. You can come into the ark by faith. That's simple. That is grace that amazing. So my closing question for you is, are you in the ark? <laughs> Have you stepped in to the ark that is Christ? Because the wrath of God will go sweeping by one day. And only those who are in the ark will be spared. Amen. Amen.